0: everyone and thanks for tuning in to this edition of the 615 collector today is friday october 21st 2022 my name is doug turner my partner here is brandon turner and we are your host and today is actually a special day it's a special show today that we're excited about it marks our one year anniversary since we started the show we we literally to the day it was october 22nd of 2021 we're actually recording this friday it's the 21st but we'll drop it in the morning so it'll be the 22nd so literally one year to the day and uh we started our first show which is kind of cool so now we can finally we can now flip the season or flip the calendar to season two we'll call it season two
1: yeah uh before we get into that just want to remind everybody uh the top of the show is always that we don't take sponsorships or get paid by anybody that we talk about on our show which is very much intentional so that you can rest assured the information we provide is unbiased and is not financially motivated
0: yeah so what do you think about one year in the
1: books. Uh, it's I don't feel like it's been a year. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's gone by fast.
1: It doesn't. It doesn't actually feel like.
0: In some ways, it doesn't feel like a year. In some ways, it does. I mean, we've done a lot of shows. I don't
1: know. It doesn't feel like it's me.
0: This is show number fifty-five. Yeah. So that's a lot of shows. That's more than one a week. Just a little bit more. Not quite. You know, fifty-two weeks right in a year. So a little bit more. Three more shows than than one a week. Um. So yeah very cool all right well from and from here on out well now there'll be no question we go season two every time i drop the next all right. one so uh and then i think we're gonna actually next week we're gonna celebrate our one year by taking a week off we have not i don't think we've taken a week off the entire year that I we've think, done the show
1: no, we have for sure have we yeah, maybe I we so.
0: well maybe what we did is record in advance and maybe. then drop the show maybe that's because i think said. we've dropped a show every week but maybe we drop yeah, we might have recorded in advance. Didn't I think we
1: take one off for like Christmas or something. Yeah, but remember, we. Re, I think
0: we recorded one.
1: I don't know uh, we did. And dropped it. So I maybe remember not. announcing that we were going to take off. Yeah,
0: maybe we did, yeah. Like once. That might know. be. Yeah, that might be. I don't remember exactly. But yeah, so we're going to take next week off, but then we will be back the following week uh, for the first episode of season two. That, that'll be Friday. November 4th so hopefully everyone will have a happy Halloween and that'll be good too because you got a big day coming up yes and next weekend is your birthday
1: mm-hmm. not that so, this affects it at all but no yeah, I but suppose so. you know hey
0: take it take your birthday off and well, well take it's not a, my
1: birthday on the day but yeah
0: not on the day but yeah so you can have the week off for your birthday have the week off or get a little bit of respite and recharge the batteries after a long first season come back for season two should be cool. Uh, all right, real quick, touch on a couple things. Uh, that three PSA submissions we talked about, uh, they finally went into grading status. They had been in research and ID for over a month. Finally, went into grading status this past week, and then actually two pretty quickly advanced to assembly. They've already been graded, advanced to assembly, so going to be hopefully getting those back before too long. And so we'll have to report back. I think the two that went in, we had a we had a an order of 1971 tops baseball a whole bunch of cards 30 or 35 cards something like that that's still in grading we had another order of 1988 Fleer basketball we've got that whole set we had maybe 30 or some odd cards those have been graded they're in assembly and then we had a bunch of one we had a bunch of Jordan and we had a bunch of David Robinson rookies a bunch of Jordan uh, I think they were the I can't remember which ones they were now off the top of my head but anyway um, we had 25 or so cards that were a bunch of robinson and and jordans and there might have been one other in there too i don't remember but those have been graded they're in assembly so anyway so we'll be able to do a grade reveal hopefully sometime soon and hopefully hopefully we get good grades hopefully they don't uh, kill us on anything
1: won't (laughs) happen yeah all right you just had those those three go through yeah all right let's jump in um let's go ahead and do jersey numbers then today's number 55 show number 55 there's quite a few names on the list yeah, this is a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of there's names. someone here that maybe don't need to be on here?
0: Yeah, but that's true.
1: There's a lot of these are good.
0: Well, football. There's a lot of Hall of Famers. Yes. And a lot of older names that I'm not familiar with. But uh, we'll start. Some names I am like the first few on here. I am. So Derek Brooks. He's in the Hall of Fame. Linebacker. Played with Tampa Bay. I don't know if he played his entire. I think he might have played his entire career with Tampa Bay. I don't recall exactly. But he won the Defensive Player of the Year in 2022. He won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. His rookie cards are in the 1995 sets. So that's a good one. And then you got Junior Seau. He's the – he was a Hall of Famer – or is a Hall of Famer, was a Hall of Famer, I should say. He passed away, unfortunately. That's a a sad situation with him. He had the CTE from the concussions from, from football. But he was a linebacker. He was the fifth overall pick in 1990 played mostly for the Chargers. Uh, Later in his career, I think he played a few seasons for the Dolphins, maybe a couple for the Patriots. He was a defensive player of the year in 1992, and his rookie cards are in the 1990 sets. So a couple of linebackers there. And then, what, three other—is there three? No, four other Hall of Famers. So look, we got like, what, six Hall of Famers in football. So John McNally is a Hall of Famer. He played on five NFL teams in 14 seasons. His best years came with the Green Bay Packers which is whom he was a major contributor to four championship teams. This was all the way back in 1929, 1930, 31, and 36. Cards are hard to come by for him. I don't know that he has many. I was able to find one. It's called like a diamond matchbook card. I guess maybe it was inside a matchbook or something like that. I'm not yeah, exactly the, sure how that worked.
1: When did the NFL start?
0: Well, that's a good question. This has got to
1: be like... Yeah, it's prior very, to... Very, very early on NFL.
0: Exactly. Well, the NFL was, I mean... There's been what? Wait, because I, I thought the NFL started, emerged that, in the, what, 60, 70s, yeah, I was 60s, 70s? Late 60s, early I 70s?
1: the, the Chiefs, um, whatever it was, matchup was like the first, first like, Super Bowl. Yeah, but I yeah. it was like the 50 year anniversary exactly. and they matched up again.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's been, I think, okay. 56 Super Bowls so I think, how is, played so far. So this was prior this was, the, yeah, this was they just the, called them there was no Super Bowl it was, it was just a AFL. championship but I don't know I think you know I don't I don't really know I don't know my history that far back on football I, feel I, like I think there were two weeks cuz there was there, there, leagues, cause there was, yeah. was cuz then there was an AFL and an, 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 an NFL and they merged Oh so so the Super Bowls like, were after the merger I yeah, guess Yes exactly oh, oh I see I see yeah. okay Um so So i I was
1: like i don't think football was that old but i don't (laughs) well it was
0: but i don't remember i don't know how the leagues were organized back then so and then we've got uh chris hamburger he's a hall of fame linebacker was a big part of the what was what they were called the washington redskins at that time and now they're the washington commanders But he was a big part of the team, the kind of dominant defensive teams the Redskins had in the 1970s. And his rookie card's in the 1967 Philadelphia set. We talked about the Philadelphia sets before. And And then two more in football. Tom Fears, Hall of Famer, big play receiver with the Los Angeles Rams. Played from 1948 through 1956. His rookie card is in that 1950 Bowman set. And then the last one in football is Jason Taylor. That's a more recent one. Hall of Famer. Defensive end played for the Dolphins. I
1: think he might have played for the Dolphins. I think was that maybe he didn't play for season? the Dolphins the
0: entire career. What's that?
1: Did he play in that undefeated season?
0: No, not no. for the Dolphins. No, that was like nineteen. That was in the sixties or seventies. I forget. Oh, the that year. was that old. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. Um,
1: for some reason, I thought that that was... Or it would have been in the 70s. I thought that was, like, early 2000s for some reason. No,
0: it was in the 70s because that was... uh, Don Shula was the coach. Larry Zonka was a running back. I think Bob Greasy was the quarterback. Okay. Um, Okay. So, yeah, that was... That was going back a little ways. In fact, you know, I may actually have because I have the... I have... Uh, the list of quarterbacks that won Super Bowls Bob Greasy uh, but I don't have the years that he did so I'm not sure exactly it well, might have it been 72 for it's some older, reason,
1: older than I thought it was That's yeah
0: for some reason 1972's one ringing a bell to me for that undefeated season of the Dolphins so anyway but no John, Jason Taylor's uh, more modern player he, he was named defensive player of the year in 2006 his rookie cards are in the 1997 sets he's got a nice SP authentic card out there that I like so there's your football players all Hall all of Famers right, yeah then baseball good list Couple of baseball, couple of pitchers in baseball. One that one of my favorites. This was from my day when I was big. Obviously, I'm a Homer Alert, big Dodger fan. Oral Hershiser. He was a pitcher for the Dodgers. He helped them win the World Series in against the A's. That was that sort of famous World Series where Kirk Gibson hit the home run. I believe that was the one that Hershiser was a stud pitcher in. Uh, But his rookie cards in the 1985 sets. Uh, the top sets and then Tim Lincecum played for he might have played for other teams but I remember him with the San Francisco Giants that's where he played a lot I think he, he played a couple other teams later in his career but he was a good pitcher rookie card in the 2007 sets he had a few other baseball players maybe like Russell Martin Hideki Matsui and actually Albert Pujols but he only wore it for one season with the Dodgers so didn't really count some of those other players but there's your baseball
1: alright now we have some names here in basketball yeah um, we have Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah, probably the biggest name here. He's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yes, I. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't make the um, 75 list. That was one that I think was left out. That I was that was him and 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 uh, Dwight Howard. I know this time has passed, but that's still yeah. Hopefully, and hopefully the next 25. That was a fantastic. I love Dikembe. Yeah. Um, Duncan, you have Duncan Robinson on here.
0: Well, let's tell. So, Dikemi Matumbe's rookie cards are in the 1991 92 sets. He's got, there's an upper deck, a Fleer, a Skybox. And actually, it was recently reported that he just underwent, he's going under treatment right now for a brain tumor. Yes. So that was sorry to hear that. So, yes. we hope, wish him and his family all the
1: best. It sounds like it's going well, though. That's good. He has for for privacy. So, we'll, uh, yeah, not say anything more on that, I suppose. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, you have Duncan Robinson on here. Well, because I guess, because he knew
0: he was a, my, I knew he was one of your Miami Heat guy yeah right so i mean i know he's not gonna be like the greatest of all time he's a modern player i know he's not yeah you can't put him as greatest of all time but i just figured we'll put a modern current player on the list because he's a miami heat guy all right he's a homer you like miami heat right
1: yeah hopefully he he should be a good role player for the hopefully you can actually make threes yeah now this season um uh kiki vandaway
0: yeah Kiki Vanaway yes. he's he was a favorite one of mine. Very played soft. for the Nuggets for yes. many years in Denver, and then also went and played for the Portland Trailblazers. I you know actually I went to a camp as a kid in Portland. It was one where you stay and at the you know on on the campus at a, this college campus for a week, and then we got to go um, do our training at the where the the facility the Trailblazers play. Right. And when we'd go what over year there, was
1: that was that was that Rip City Revival years or what? Yeah, that would have been. Like I mean, that was 90s.
0: probably no, no, no. That would have been like maybe mid early mid 80s okay probably mid 80s probably like 80 i'm guessing 84 or five time frame maybe okay. somewhere in there okay um but when we'd show up at the so every morning we get up you know have a little workout big breakfast whatever and then and then take the buses over to the facilities where the trailblazers train and every morning kiki Vanway would be in there shooting just shooting and so I'd, I'd watch him and it's like the guy never missed <laughs> he <Yeah>. never <laughs> missed he was such a good shooter. Uh,
1: hey, if you in the NBA, I hope, you're, <laughs> I knew a shooter, I hope you would never miss. Yeah, practice. well,
0: although I don't know some you of those guys. Get on
1: spot ups, you should be shooting like ninety percent if you in the NBA. If, you're, well, a if yeah, you're a shooter, if you're a shooter, if yeah, you're a shooter, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's your
0: caveat. But his rookie cards in the 1986 Fleer set. Now he does have. He's one of those ones that's got some star cards from earlier in the '80s that some people might call his rookie. So and then do you know jason williams the next one yes of course yeah White jason williams, yeah his rookie cards in the 1998-99 sets he he if you ever if for any of our listeners that's a, that is a highlight player yeah I was <laughs> if gonna you want to
1: see some fun highlights that's a player to go look up for sure
0: exactly <laughs> i was just going to say any listeners that haven't seen his stuff just go look at some youtube highlights of him some of the passes he makes he's just made some incredible passing plays he was known for being a great passer uh there was a bunch of other players that wore the number for maybe a year or two, but um, nothing that you know felt like should belong on the list. And then in the WNBA, we had a, a big name, mm-hmm. Vicki Johnson. Yes. Played with New York and San Antonio. She was with the Liberty in the league's inaugural season, uh, played in the 1997 WNBA title game, went on to the uh, be, reach the WNBA finals four different times, three with the Liberty and once with the Stars. And now she's the coach for
1: the Dallas Wings. Head coach for Dallas.
0: I can't remember. Was Dallas, did they, they were one of the pretty good teams this past year.
1: Yeah, they had a pretty successful season. Yeah. They got kind of, kind of, uh, screwed over by injuries at the end of the season, but yeah, they were very, very pretty good.
0: And we were talking about why would someone pick 55, you know, one of these 50s numbers. Well, for her, she started with number five in the fifth see, grade. See,
1: like, a double number makes sense to me, yeah. though. Yeah, Like, a double number makes sense she, to She
0: me. was too big for the jersey, so she decided to go to number 55, mm-hmm. yeah, to get the double number, and that stuck. She liked to kind of play the yeah. post, and so, even though she's a guard, she was a guard.
1: Because, like, you have, like, Luca, who's, like, 77, and he wore seven in EuroLeague. I'm not exactly sure why he changed, but, like, yeah. like doubling the number seems to be a thing, so yeah. that's, you know
0: her rookie cards in the 1997 sets there's a pinnacle card out there of her and then in hockey we had one larry murphy he's in the hall of fame won four stanley cup championships two with pittsburgh penguins and two with the detroit red wings has over 1200 career points his rookie card is in 1981 82 sets so there you go there's your best athletes or else you know notable athletes to wear jersey number 55 yes who would you pick from that list
1: um probably john mcnally
0: really yeah you're not gonna go with dikembe or duncan
1: well i would go with both or kiki Van. Der- i would go with both if i could but yeah. i would probably say mcnally
0: yeah okay this is a hard one i actually i like a lot of the basketball players in this one dikembe Dun- uh kiki and jason williams but I'm gonna go Homer on this one. I'm gonna go Oral Hershiser, when he th- he had those couple seasons with the Dodgers that he was just he was absolutely lights out. He was such a stud. Um, he's not, I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame though. He's one of those ones that I don't know if you'd consider that a snub or not. Some people probably consider that a snub. Some people may not. But
1: he can still get in. I, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not
0: sure if he can or not at this point. But all right. Well, there you
1: go. All right, um, let's go ahead and move on to the halftime report.
0: Yeah, well, and before we do the halftime report, I guess we didn't ever give the rundown on the show. We didn't tell people what we're going to do on the show. Oh. (laughs) So we we are going to, yeah, we're going to do a halftime report real quick, and then we're going to do a little bit of film study on some baseball, basketball stuff, but then we're going to do a year in review. Right. We've picked some of our favorite clips and... Uh, favorite shows over over the past year, and so we're gonna we're gonna spend a little time. So about maybe half the show will be halftime report, film study, all that, and then half the show will do kind of reminisce a little bit about the year that we had and some of our favorite moments and clips from from shows so looking forward to that so all right so with that we can jump in after i report you want to take the first one
1: uh yeah um so csg announced that they certified and graded not one but two 1952 tops mickey mantles and one of them received a grade of eight which would value it at around two million dollars makes it the most valuable card that csg has graded since it launched in early 2021
0: Yeah. And then we had, you know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because it happened a little over a week ago and everyone's been talking about it. And so I feel like it's been the, you know, it's kind of been beaten to death a little bit, but there was a backyard break, alleged scandal. It really is. It's not a scandal in my book. Some people, because they have pulled some of the big cards, the big chase cards in some of the key sets like National Treasures Basketball and Flawless and whatnot, that so there was a couple of people on twitter in the hobby that have suggested tried to do the math on the probabilities that they would pull those and are suggesting that backyard breaks is getting loaded boxes from panini here's i posted a little bit on this in social media this past week all wills all i'm gonna say on this is i look through it and look i mean who knows are they getting loaded boxes or not who knows i have no idea and frankly, I just don't care. I mean, I do care, but I don't. I it, it Obviously, it would be wrong if that was happening and it would be a big deal. But, um, but I, I, you know, I just don't know. And, and unless someone has some inside information on it, there's just no way to know. And the math, while the math is interesting, it doesn't really, in, from my perspective, when you're talking about the odds that you're talking about here, the math just becomes kind of nonsensical. So what someone did is tried to work out the probability and said, okay, you know, the probability of them pulling that one of one they pulled like the one of one Cade Cunningham logo man RPA out of national treasures plus the you know one of one in flat and the one of one in you know four different and so the probability of pulling that is like some you know ridiculous low you know 0.00013% whatever it is and a couple of things that I would say one is I've heard some people say well you don't know the production on these so you can't necessarily determine that well so first of all let's just clarify on that you do actually panini publishes their checklist i actually went out and downloaded for example the national treasures checklist just to look at it and see and here's the interesting thing about that checklist let me actually see if i've got let me see if i've got that in my the data in my phone i don't know if i've got that data in my phone so i may have to do this from memory but there were there were little over 160,000 cards produced in that national treasure set that are on the checklist and there, get this, there were 1,623 one-of-ones. So over 1% of the entire set is one-of-ones. And now the the RPA, the Logoman RPAs, there's 48 of those. And obviously they pulled the one Cade Cunningham. But Cade Cunningham has, I forget, it was something like, I want to say 8 or 10 or 12 one-of-ones in that set. But so when you look at it and you say, and, and here's the thing, they pulled Decade the Cunningham, but is that really the is that the card in there? I mean, what about I don't know? Some people might say Scotty Barnes, some people might mm-hmm. say Evan Mobley, or what about uh, Josh Giddy? What about a Franz Wagner? right? Or there's some others, right? I mean, in there. So, I mean, you know, so if they pulled the one-on-one on Scotty Barnes, are you going to do that because they didn't pull, you know? So, I mean, little. this is a little bit of picking and choosing and being kind of selective in, in what they're going to use to do the comparison. But then the other thing, too, is the, the math on probability. So, if the probability, so it's one card, right, out of 160,000. So, that's low probability. And then you take one card out of Flawless. When I didn't, I didn't look to see how many cards are in Flawless and how and in Prism and the other four sets that they were talking about. But it's all going to be really low, like 0.01% or something, right, odds of pulling. But here's the thing. That's the odds of pulling any card, any card, right? So you could say, oh, the odds of pulling the serial number 23 out of 99 is, you know, that's one in 160,000, and then the odds of pulling the base in, you know, Flawless that's serial or whatever, and then the odds of pulling. I mean, when you look at any one card, the odds are going to be, especially like because, you know, in National Mm -hmm. Treasures – everything is serial numbered. I think the highest serial number count is 99. So that means for any card you pick, there's only 99 of them out of 160,000. So the odds of pulling any any card in that set are extremely low. And then the way that probability math works is you take when, when the events are not connected, and I'm probably going to lose everyone on this, so I won't spend much time on it and go too deep into it, but essentially what you do is multiply the probabilities against each other. But it becomes nonsensical because you real and while that's technically the way you can do it to, to calculate the probability it becomes nonsensical because of like what i just said you could do you could pick any four cards and you're going to get the same thing and yet people are going to pull four card like any four card combination that someone pulls from those sets is going to have some ridiculously low probability you know what i mean so just because there's this really low probability isn't proof that somehow yeah. they're getting loaded you know boxes which
1: doesn't necessarily mean not to um, misunderstand you here doesn't necessarily mean that they're completely innocent. No. Necessarily. It's just the... the that's this, right. This method for for saying, oh, this is... It just doesn't make... That's this, right. This was case. exactly... Who knows? This, this method maybe they, just isn't really that valid.
0: That's right. Maybe they are getting loaded. Like, exactly. We don't know. The reality is we don't know. They could be. Um, but the bottom, I, I guess the, the point is is that the whole premise of of making the allegation was based on this probability calculation and that there's such low probability and it just that just that, that to me is like that's that's just not enough that, that that like I said you can that you're gonna get that low probability on any combination of four cards that they pull and so it, it just doesn't make sense and I'll, I'll give you one other quick example on probabilities if you so let's talk about a flip of the coin right um, so if you flip a coin you have a 5050 chance to get heads or tails and every time you flip it's 5050 right But if you, so, but using probability math, if I were to say, hey, what's the probability of you getting heads 10 times in a row? Well, what you do is you take 50% times 50 times 50 times 50 times 50 times, you know, 10 times, and that comes out to like 0.05%. And you say, and then what's the probability if you get heads 10 in a row that you then get tails on the 11th, right? So if you do the math, it's 50-50 on each one of those, but you multiply them against each other and you're gonna get like 0.05%. However, if you toss 10 heads in a row, the odds that the next one you toss is tails is still 50-50. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though the odds of you getting that exact combination are is 0.05%, the odds of tossing tails on that 11th toss is 50-50. Yep. It's not connected, so it has nothing to do. And so that's kind of the way I see this, is like the odds of pulling a card in National Treasures, it, when you then go try to pull a card in Flawless, your odds of pulling that card in Flawless are what they are for flawless it's not somehow less now because of the card you pulled in national treasures even though that's the way the math works that's the part that i'm saying is nonsensical you still have the same odds to pull that card in flawless
1: it's not like your odds got worse because you pulled exactly. some other card <laughs> yeah. in, you it's know, it's National Treasures. it's after the fact, looking at you know thing yeah um also regardless you still have a chance This chance exists yeah so yeah
0: And so anyway, so like I said, the whole premise of the allegation was this probability calculation. Whoops, sorry, I think I bumped my mic there. But And so anyway, so I would just say, look, based on that, you can't draw any conclusions at all. Now, that doesn't mean that something might not be, you know, hey, if there's some smoke, maybe there's some fire. A lot of people talked about too, well, how would you even do that? Like the the number of people that have to be involved. Well, it could be done, but it's probably not, if it was done, it's probably not something that Panini as a company would be involved with, would be my guess. It'd probably be more like, what happened in like and I this got brought up too the the McDonald's monopoly scandal that from years and years ago and 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 that just there ends up being like a rogue employee or a rogue person that's involved in the in the chain of custody of of the cards or in that case of those monopoly tickets and and there's a couple of rogue people that are involved that that kind of figure out how to how to make that happen and rig that up and so if there were something like that happening here my guess is that's how it's happening. Let but me the, just but, you let know. me
1: just say like I don't, I don't feel like we need to spend any more time on this. Let me just no, leave. You with um, it's please just people need to use Occam's razor way more often. It's just like what's that? I always say this: the 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 solution that makes the least assumptions is usually the correct one. Yeah, yeah. Live by that, (laughs) please.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's a good one.
1: Every time I see this stuff.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. We'll we'll move on. That's all we got to say on that. So, Alton Insight puts out a market review every quarter. I think we've talked about this in the past and they came out with their third quarter market review. We're not going to go through everything the the report's like 60 some odd 7 or 60 some odd pages long, 67 I think pages long. So obviously, you're not going to have time to, you know, get into much detail. But I but the the gist of the report when you kind of go through it, just a couple of highlights that I'll point out. A lot of stuff that is, you know, intuitive people kind of already know anyway. And that is hey, Vintage doing really well in comparison Um, To other stuff. The speculative stuff, a lot of the modern, ultra-modern stuff not doing as well. Fractional platforms, stuff on the fractional platforms not doing as well. We talked about that. There's some opportunities, I think, potentially developing. Um, But I want to touch on a couple things. One is the performance of the Bellwether cards. So they had a number of Bellwether cards that they talked about the performance of, and I thought it was kind of interesting. So the one right off the the bat was uh, the 86 Fleer Michael Jordan in a PSA 10, and that one's down in the third quarter. The uh, there's a 2003 Topps Chrome Le- LeBron James refractor and a PSA 10 is also down. There's the Luca. Uh, this is the, the National Treasures RPA is down. The, uh, let's see what else we got. The the Topps Mickey Mantle, 1952, it's up. The Babe Ruth 1933 Gowdy is flat. Uh, there's the, the Mike Trout. I think that's the 20... What is that? Is that the 2011 Bowman? I forget, but it's basically his rookie autograph card. That one's down. Uh, the Wayne Gretzky uh, 79 Peachy is down. The Connor McDavid Young Guns is actually flat to slightly up. The Bobby Orr rookie is slightly down. The um, uh, I'll just touch on a couple of There's a couple soccer cards in here that, uh, and and a lot of the soccer cards are down. So Pele cards down, um, Cristiano Ronaldo down, Messi I think is more kind of flat uh, Serena Williams down, Tiger Woods down, but Muhammad Ali is actually up, so anyway it's just kind of interesting when you look at some of the kind of the those bellwether cards like they talked about, they I think those cards kind of tell the story to some degree when you see what's up versus what down there's some interesting insight to be gleaned from that and then the last point i'll make they talked about the fractional platform so in the third quarter there were only four buyout offers uh, made and we've talked about how you know as we see more buyout offers start to happen in a little more frequency that's when maybe we kind of get a little bit of a leading indicator that maybe the market's in a bottoming process but there were only four only one was accepted now I'm very happy to say that that was the one I was in. Nice. <laughs> that was the Joe Montana rookie card on the Otis platform. That was in a PSA 10. That was a seventy thousand dollars offer for that card, and that one got accepted. And that one is in. And oh, by the way, I just got those proceeds this 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 week. Transferred it transferred into my bank account, so it was nice. I had a three hundred dollars investment into that. Got a little over about four hundred and twenty bucks back from it. So what is that? A better than thirty, probably thirty-five to forty percent return on that. Nice. Not too bad. I'll take it. I am not doing as well on my some of my fractional stuff, um, other fractional investments, but that one uh, worked out well, so that was nice. Well, at least you got one. Yeah. So there you go. That's your some of the highlights from the Alton Insights report. And if you want, any of our listeners want to go look at that, you can get it. It's free. I think you have to s- set up a free account. Um, there's no charge for it, but you set up a free account and just go to. You can just Google Alton Insights. It's A L T A N Insights, and look for at the top of their page. There's a little link that says Third quarter you know sports cards market report or something like that you can go there and like i said kind of look through that uh, report to your heart's content a lot of good information in it all right um speaking of buyout offers
1: yeah moving on we got a collectible received a buyout offer for their 04 exquisite dual logo man of lebron james and carmelo anthony it's graded a nine by bgs it's a one of one the offer was $600,000, which was a 155% increase over the value prior to the offer, which was $222,000. The card came public on the platform over a year ago at a value of uh, just a little bit over $1 million. Um, the offer was rejected by shareholders.
0: Yeah, that actually kind of interesting to me that it got rejected uh, because, like you said, on the one hand, you look at it and you say, well, it came public at over a million. So, 600,000 is a pretty steep discount. On the other hand, you say, well, but it was trading at a value of 222,000 before the 600,000 offer. So, that was a pretty steep premium to where it was trading at. So, that was kind of an interesting one. as far as a couple of auction results are up, there's one auction result and one upcoming auction that I think is pretty cool that we want to touch on. One is, and this is the uh, the Superman suit <laughs> worn by Christopher Reeves in the first Superman, the most nice. probably one of the most iconic suits costumes and costumes in movie you know, history. I
1: still remember. <laughs> you're gonna laugh when we watched the first Superman when I was a kid. I think it was the first Superman anyway. Um, I just I remember we were eating Arby's. I, right. I, <laughs> For some reason, I just remember that we were eating Arby's. We had like a beef and cheddar or something. I was like, "This is the best thing!" I was like, "This sandwich is so good." We have the. I just have that. That's like. (laughs) <laughs> like that vivid memory for some reason. That's kind of interesting. I think it's that funny was the things that you
0: remember from your childhood. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so his his suit is coming to auction. It's actually in London. It's being auctioned off by a company I think called Prop Store Auction in what's called their Entertainment Memorabilia Live Auction. That'll begin November 3rd and runs through November 6th. And they're saying they think it's going to sell for probably more than a half a million dollars.
1: Hmm. All right, uh, and then Tom Brady's two thousand playoff contenders championship ticket card. Um, that's an auto out of a hundred, graded nine out of ten by BGS.
0: Well, it was a nine on the card, ten on the auto. Is oh, right, right, right. The grade is nine on right, the card, right, right, ten right, right, on the right, auto. Right, right, yeah, right. by BGS. Yeah. Man, that's a whole line taken up
1: by that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, it sold for two point four million dollars in the PWCC Premier auction. Um, the last two sales of that card in that grade were 3.8 million and just over 3.1 million in february 2022 and june 2021 respectively although prior to that it was selling for less than 500,000, and if you go far enough back less than 25,000 in 2016 um and even earlier so
0: yeah so down you know that 3.8 million in february 22 was a record sale for that card so it's down from that but yeah you look look back a few years and it's still whew, significantly up from what it was and then Look, you'd have to probably be if you're if you're not on social media, you you didn't see this. If you're on social media, you would probably have to be like either you just didn't look or you were under a rock or something in the week because it seemed like everywhere on Instagram and wherever that it was, this was being talked about. And that is that Adam Sandler is apparently going to be uh, starring in a new Netflix movie that's going to be focusing on the world of high-end sports card. I collecting. like this like
1: reinventing of his like acting career, <laughs> of like like doing a bunch of like sports themed yeah. stuff that's like
0: well this one it's supposed to be the same i forget the name of the 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 guys that did the uncut gems it's like the, i think what's their name like sod so sod fee or something haven't seen like that. that
1: movie i was i was gonna see that movie yeah i was supposed I think to be I've really it good either yeah it's supposed to be one of the one of the really good adam sandler movies
0: yeah i don't think i've seen that one either but those guys i guess are teaming up again to make this netflix movie that's going to be based you know somehow based on the world of high-end sports card collecting netflix hasn't confirmed the details yet but deadline is who reported that the project begin could begin shooting as early as mid
1: 2023 you know he's his career. he's had i'm thinking about he's had a lot of good stuff come out oh yeah like the past two years i'm thinking hubie halloween i was like well did you see the topical what was that basketball
0: one where he was the scout that was hustle right hustle yeah that was a really good like
1: it was like reinventing with like the sports thing and i feel like he's had like a few of his like best movies in like the past like two or three years yeah
0: yeah i really like that hustle movie i thought that i was haven't good. seen it yet yeah you need to uh you need to see that movie it's it's a really good movie
1: yeah um and i guess what i really mean to say is that he's been doing a lot of like topical sports movies because he's done sports movies before yeah um <clears throat> yeah he's but just quite a like few. with like current nba players and then now capitalizing on like the sports card thing yeah <laughs> yeah
0: so there you go. Um, and, and you know, that probably if they're shooting in mid-2023, that's probably something that comes out in 2024. Just another good example of how longer term there's going to be, you know, there's a lot of things that are in production like that, movies and shows and different things. And obviously Fanatics is going to do some more marketing in the year and when they when they start taking over all the licenses. So there's kind of a lot of things coming down the pike over the next several years that are going to continue to bring some attention and focus to the space, which is one of the things we talked about before about why we're positive on it. All right, well, let's touch on a few card ladder record sales and then we'll be done with the halftime report and get into our film study. So, real, a couple of quick ones uh, with basketball season underway, you got uh, Steph steph Curry making the, the list here with a two, his 2009 Topps Chrome Gold Refractor. That's the gold refractor serial number to 50. It was graded a nine by BGS and sold for $138,000 via PWCC. And then in football, this makes sense. Jalen Hurts is doing really well. Well, his 2020 National Treasures RPA, which is rookie patch autograph, that's the true RPA, so serial number to 99. This one was raw, not graded, and it sold for $11,500 via eBay. Mickey Mantle continues to sell well. His 1963 tops in a PSA 8 sold for $9,000 via PWCC. A couple other quick ones I'll point out. One is this one I like, the 2017 Court Kings. DeMar DeRozan, blank slate. I do you think, know when this sale happened? Uh, it was within the last week or two,
1: I think. Why? What do you think? I'm thinking? just wondering if it's like ex- like within the past day or two. Oh, because how he, he because put up like... Because he, yeah. he opened the season very With like well. Like 37 points, yeah. yeah, in his
0: first game. Yeah, I don't know exactly. I don't have the date here. I, I think it was within the last... Yeah, it could have been within the last few days. But this one was a PSA ten. It sold for three hundred and twenty-four dollars via PWCC. That insert, I, re- I the the blank slate cards are starting to wear on me, not wear on me in a good way. Like or what you know, I mean I, those are I, I, they're pretty interesting. I may I may look to start collecting some of those. And I and they're not that expensive. Like here it's a PSA ten and, and got it for three hundred and twenty-four dollars. So um, another football one, Panini uh, twenty twenty Panini Prism Silver. This is Justin Jefferson, the receiver with the Vikings, who's doing really well. This is his rookie card. It was a PSA 10, and it sold via eBay for $1,250. All
1: right. Well, that does it for the halftime Report. So let's go ahead and move on to film study.
0: All right. Yeah, let's move through this fairly quickly So, because I want to leave enough time or a lot of time for our year in review. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on stuff. We may have to cut some of this a little short, maybe not get into as much card value stuff as we had hoped to do. But uh, touch a couple things in the NFL. The one the one thing, to, to follow up on what we said last week about the quarterbacks, and I made a post about this in social media today, but uh, here's this is the interesting, there are in the entire, so remember we talked about, okay, there's 32 teams in the NFL, right? So we have 32 starting quarterbacks, 32 teams, right? Well, you know how many quarterbacks in the history of the NFL have actually won a Super Bowl? It's 34. Hmm. 34 is all that have actually won a Super Bowl. And, only 12 have won more than one so that kind of puts things in perspective right because he's you know you start thinking about oh there's all these quarterbacks that everyone's kind of speculating on today in the entire history of the nfl only 12 have won more than one and only 34 have even won one so you know obviously brady has seven bradshaw terry bradshaw and joe montana have four
1: tough to touch
0: yeah troy aikman has three but and here's the other thing only 65 quarterbacks there's only 65 starting quarterbacks that have appeared in a Super Bowl. So there's, what, 56 Super Bowls, I think? So 112 potential starting quarterbacks. and But because, you know, several quarterbacks have been in there multiple times, only 65 quarterbacks have actually appeared as a starting quarterback all time in a Super Bowl. And only 12 have appeared in three or more, which includes Brady. Obviously, he's got 10. Elway, people don't realize that Elway's actually number two behind Brady. He's been in five. Of course, he lost three and one, two. Terry Bradshaw has and has been in four. Joe Montana four. Roger Staubach four. Peyton Manning four. And Jim Kelly four. Unfortunately, Jim Kelly lost all of his. But, uh, but yeah. So that's tough. It is tough. Yeah. Him and I think Fran Tarkenton lost. Uh, no, Fran Tarkenton may have lost three. I think I think the Bills surpassed the Vikings when they lost their fourth super bowl that's
1: okay hey you know what i wonder what the record is for that you know because jerry west went like nine times or something before he won well in the
0: nfl it's four
1: i'm I'm talking like all sports oh yeah i don't know what the record is i'm not sure like most championship appearances without a win
0: yeah that'd be interesting (laughs) um other big news in the NFL, the Carolina Panthers traded. We talked about this either last week or the week before that, that Dot McCaffrey, you know, there was rumors he was on the trade block. Wouldn't be surprised to see something. I was actually hopeful the Broncos were would go for him, but I didn't think that was something that they would be serious about. But uh, he did get traded. He got traded to the 49ers, and it was reported the Broncos actually did make a very serious offer. So the Broncos were in the mix trying to get him but uh, ultimately, they were not able to get him. His Remember, his dad, Ed McCaffrey, was a receiver for the Broncos for many years. But he now gets uh, – and, of course, Mike Shanahan was the coach at that time. Well, now he gets hooked up with uh, Mike's son – uh, uh, what's his name? Shanahan at, uh, I forget his first name now, at the 49ers, head coach of the 49ers. But um, so now he's he's hooked up with the 49ers. And Carolina, in return, got a second, third, and fourth round pick in 2023, and then a fifth round pick in 2024. So that, to me, that instantly puts the 49ers. I mean, 49ers were good anyway. Now you add McCaffrey to that mix. Whew, they, they're going to be pretty tough.
1: How many players are on an NFL roster? <laughs>
0: i think i want to say 52 this
1: is like very off topic is it only 52 yeah it's okay. like maybe
0: it's 46 game time, game day i i can't remember. it's All somewhere right. around that 50 number or, never mind why what were you thinking
1: i was thinking it was in like the 90s oh no 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 and i was just thinking i was like man you could have like you could straight up have like a small army with the nfl no that's players.
0: that's preseason rosters they don't they okay. can't carry that many during okay. the regular season um you know, McCaffrey's one of those ones. We're not going to, because again, because we don't want to take too much time today, I'm not going to look at his cards. Maybe I'll post some things in social media and maybe we can talk about his cards next time. He's one to look at, though, because he had a rough start to the season with the Panthers uh, and Baker Mayfield not doing well, but now in san francisco with shanahan that offense i think there's a good chance that he could have a little bit of a revival so one to look at another one that i wanted to point out is marcus Mariota with the atlanta falcons he is having a really good season and it's good to see obviously homer alert Oregon duck he's from the you know ducks i still think tennessee ruined him but it's nice to see him maybe making a little bit of a resurgence a lot of people you know the falcons have been better than people thought this year they're they're playing pretty well and marcus. so have the jets yeah and the
1: Jets have been too. I didn't know they were four and two until like yesterday. I was like, "What?" Yeah,
0: <laughs> that that is a little They're more like surprising. a top
1: five team. Yeah, <laughs> like what? All right,
0: Vikings are doing well, five and one. Of course, they've got Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook. Uh, we just talked about Justin Jefferson. They've got a, a bunch of skill players. I don't know what's going on with the Broncos and Russell Wilson. The defense is outstanding, and I'm just so frustrated right Dude, now with always, that team because we're just wondered, wasting always, our defense.
1: I always question kind of um, Russell Wilson's, like, mentality to me. Like, it, it seems like he gets in his head sometimes to me. Yeah, it, I don't it know does. what it is because I know he has, like, a mental coach, so, like, he should be, like, pretty good with that. But I, I'm not sure. It seems a lot to me, like, like whatever's going on, like, I feel like it's got to be in his head. And yeah. I feel like we've seen this happen before. I don't know. It may be. I have no idea.
0: Yeah, I don't know what's going on either. But I agree, there's something not right there because he is not playing at the level that, I mean, he's just not. And obviously, I get some people will say, well, he's older now. I get it. But last year, now, again, he got hurt, but he was playing really well. And so I do wonder if there's some injuries. But some of this looks more like some of the things that I'm seeing in the games, like he's not making the pre-snap reads. Like when team, like, uh, who was it they just played? um, Chargers they figured out that every time they blitzed like and so I don't know if it was him that's the hard part you know not being on the field on the sidelines kind of not knowing what's going on. so I don't know if it was him not adjusting not reading the blitz and adjusting the coverage with the offensive line or if it was the offensive line that was just missing their their blocks but every time the Chargers blitzed it was just someone had a free shot at Wilson and and anyway, and so, and you're still, we're still seeing a lot of the reads where he's got guys wide open in downfield and he's not seeing them. And I don't know if that's because, is he locking in on a receiver? Is it because, you know, he is a little bit of a short, I think he's 5'11, a little bit of a shorter quarterback. Is he having a hard time seeing over the line? I don't know, but, you know, didn't seem to have that trouble in Seattle. So, Anyway, I don't know what's going on there, but clearly there's... And they got a new coach. There's there's new coaches there. It's a young coaching staff. There's obviously a lot going on. But the Broncos, very disappointing start to the season. They should definitely be better than they are. I
1: mean, maybe they just need more time.
0: they're a good example of how you can say good players you can have good players and not a good team a good team is different than good players exactly
1: and so like maybe they just need some time to just kind of figure things out build chemistry yeah I mean it's not this year maybe it's next year maybe the year after you know that may be
0: okay and then you know we won't talk about Bailey Zappi I won't spend a lot of time with him but I will tell you what obviously it's a lot of talk about that you know whether he's the does he take over for Mac Jones personally personally I know that some people scoff at this and laugh at it but I've watched some of those games and look I'm no expert on this I, I but I do think that um I th- I like Zappi. I actually think he's potentially the better quarterback between him and Mac Jones. Remember I was kind of down on Unlike Mac his Jones. Name. I, we shorted Mac Jones's card. I was a little down on him. I, I just I'm not convinced that that he's going to be the guy there in New England and and Zappi seems to have come out guns a blazin. So we might have a quarterback controversy or controversy like we like to say in in New England all right let's jump to baseball real quick okay. obviously baseball playoffs the big thing there is all the teams that had the best records yep. are out and maybe not all of them but because I think the Yankees are still in but still and Houston's still in but still you had you know the Dodgers out and um uh, the Mets out and the Braves are out and so anyway so a lot of teams that had you know 100 wins or more during the regular season are out and then you've got uh, some of the wild card teams like the Padres and the Phillies who are you know still doing well and there is some people this was an interesting take i saw someone that had a take on this that said the new format of the three game wild card series hurt those teams because they had to sit longer than they otherwise would have when you had the one game plan type thing. You know, so it wasn't a plan, it was a wild card, but it was one game, right? So now those teams that were doing really well, they were kind of hot, right? Playing well toward the end of the season. Then you sit for a week or however long it was before then you play again. And I'll tell you in baseball, I do there I do think there's something to that because you kind of get in a rhythm. You know, you're playing every day, usually six days a week. And so then to sit and not do anything for a week, I I think there might be something to that. So anyway, yeah, so it's kind of interesting to see that. Now, pay attention to Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper, I I like him. I actually, I, I think we've said before, I think some of Bryce Harper's cards are undervalued and man he is tearing it up and here's his postseason stats for everyone all all players all baseball major league baseball players in the postseason Harper is tied for first in home runs with Harrison Bader from the Yankees he's tied for first in RBIs with Jordan Alvarez uh, from Houston he's in first place in hits he's tied for first in runs scored and he's first in doubles I mean he is tearing up the postseason, obviously Manny Machado in in uh, San Diego, Soto's another one to watch. Alvarez with uh, with Houston is an absolute beast, so they're ones to watch as well. But uh, but you know Harper, if the Phillies keep winning, uh, Harper's man. It's this could be it, it could be kind of interesting. And I think you could if if they do keep winning and and he gets a championship, I, I you know look again. We're not giving any sort of advice or anything on this, but personally, I think some of his sport his cards. Uh, could you know see a nice uptick in price all right let's go to the nba all right zion's back
1: and he looks great he and did he, he, he's played great so far so he did look good in his in
0: his first game back yeah, and the
1: so. are looking pretty good dude they got we've said still, it. we've said it, mean, it before they got a good like, team they only had like one or two games but like looking yeah good
0: yeah they got a good team uh, can we talk for a minute about the, kind of all the all the highlight and, and, and talk on buzz on social media was James Harden's moves that kind of broke the ankles I, of Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart.
1: I didn't see the game, so I didn't see these.
0: Okay. Of course Marcus Smart's gonna argue he pushed it off, but I mean he, he, he put a move did. at top and <laughs> Marcus Smart did. just like went went flying <laughs> down the, the baseline. Uh, now Tatum he didn't Tatum like just got he just got crossed up and 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 did kind of look like he broke the ankles of Tatum but more so than those moves can we talk about the shots <laughs> because because he made this like on Marcus Smart he made this fantastic move Smart just goes you know sliding down on the ground towards the baseline he's wide open from the three he gives a little shimmy whoops sorry knock my, <laughs> my microphone there that's he gives, why he missed it. That's why he missed, that's it. Why he missed it. That's why he missed it. He gives it. Check, a little shimmy. Shackton's calling. Yeah. And then, and then he airballs it. He airballs it. He airballed that one? He airballed that shot.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That is bad. And uh, sorry. I've seen, was... I've seen some shimmy airballs before, but not one after an ankle breaker. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's really thinking back to Houston. <laughs> and so I got he excited He literally there probably has one of the most viewed highlights where he does that same thing and hits the three. Yeah. So yikes
0: so then so then the one against Jason Tatum same thing he basically breaks Tatum's ankles Tatum gets crossed up falls down steps back and then throws up a brick front rims it and like come on you gotta make those shots when you're gonna make a move like that you know
1: but I didn't see those though uh, well, wh- that, they lost that game, so... Yeah, well, exactly. The <laughs> 76ers lost, lost.
0: You know, the 76ers,
1: they look I just... They, they look good, though. They, 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 they look good? They just need to work out. Well,
0: here's my question for just you. We don't, to, we don't want to. spend a lot of time on this, but my question for you is, are they deep enough? Because yes. I, I, I think their starting five looks good, but yes. I'm looking at the bench, and I'm just not... Are they deep
1: enough? Yes. Okay. I think that, well, their moves in the offseason were to become deep, but the interesting thing is that Boston and... Philadelphia did very similar things and going out to get depth because Boston had a very small rotation in the postseason. They wanted to fix that. Same thing with Philadelphia. Um seems that Boston got some really good scoring depth on their bench. Philadelphia got really good like toughness depth. And I'm not really sure if they got the scoring depth. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see who kind of steps up in that category. Yeah. Cause they brought in like PJ, who's obviously a starter, so is a little bit different but they have they got montrez and they got daniel house and so there's a bunch of really tough guys maybe not necessarily high scores although montrez can but he's in like a pretty i mean he's played center so he's backing up joel and bead so he's not going to get a lot of time so two two interesting approaches i think they have the depth i'm not sure if they have the depth like scoring wise so it's i don't know yeah it, it's like kind of a not We're, that straightforward of a question for they're, me. They're not like, off to a
0: great start. Or, I mean, they're not off to a bad start, but they mean they lost. But they've lost close games, but they've lost their first couple of games, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Walker Kessler made history for the Utah Jazz in his rookie debut. He was the only player in NBA history to court a double-double. He had 12 points, 10 boards, while shooting 100% from the field
1: in his rookie debut. He was 5-for-5 five five from the field. And then last— Yeah, and, and, yeah and, Paolo also had like a really, really good start. It was like 25, five and five or something like that, which nice. is like the first time that's happened in a debut since LeBron. So there you go, pretty solid. Also, if we were talking about um, kind of these like highlight things, I don't know if you saw the, the Memphis Knicks game. I don't know if you saw that there's a pass, uh, Steven Adams, do you know Steven Adams? No, he, kind of, he looks like Aquaman. Okay, yeah. Um. You know who that guy, that's probably like the strongest dude in the NBA. Everybody kind of has that consensus. I don't know if you saw the pass. Like, it was, like, a really hot pass. I did not. He was walking to the scorer's table, and the other team, like, they, they were, like, whipped it to the wing, but there was nobody there, and it hit him right in the head. He, like, barely even flinched. <laughs> it was, like, a like a nice. straight fastball to the head. Nice. And you just, like, yeah, anyway. That's if you know If you know Steven Adams, that's funny. but Absolutely, yeah. No, um, I get it. I get it. it.
0: That's funny. Uh, LeBron's off to a good start. At yes. least scoring wise, chasing Kareem's <laughs> record. He's averaging 25 and a half. Okay, I'm surprised that they, but
1: the Clippers game was actually close. So, like, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's a good sign that it was at least close. Yep. But yeah, good start for Braun
0: and then hockey a couple things we'll touch on hockey and then let's jump into our year in review uh, so uh Stamkos and Connor so Steven Stamkos and Connor McDavid off to good starts they're both of them are in the top 3 in goals scored in the the early start of the NHL season Ovechkin's going to be chasing Gretzky's all-time goal record not this season but he's got where is he at? He's, I think it's 782 goals. Gretzky's at 894. So he's over hundred goals away. He's going to probably have to have either two really, really good seasons or maybe, you know, three kind of more average seasons for him to get that. But Gretzky's at 894. Gordie Howe's at 801. And so he could probably get Gordie Howe this year and become second all time behind Gretzky. And then he'll be chasing Gretzky in the next couple of years. And then he's at 782. So. There you go for hockey. Um, Like I said, we're gonna. That's probably all we got for now for film study. Want to cut that a little short so we can go do a little bit of reminiscing and and spend some time looking back and do a year in review. All
1: right.
0: All right. So year in review, Uh, what we did is we said you know kind of told each that each of us went back and tried to select some of our favorite clips that we enjoyed the most from some of the, the episodes, past episodes over the past year. And so what we do, we thought we would just probably share those some of those clips with y'all and we'll just, we'll set them up as to what they are and then you play the clips and then come back and, and maybe set up the next one. Um, so I figured a good place to start was let's just play a clip from our inaugural show, okay. the very first show. We'll just play like, here's what the, here's what the intro sounded like from our very first show we had different music back then clearly we were probably a little you know we were new at this but let's take a listen this is what we were like in the first show greetings fellow sports card enthusiasts this is the 615 collector my name is doug turner
1: and i'm brennan turner
0: (laughs) And we are your hosts of a new podcast that's dedicated to the world of sports cards and we'll be coming to you once a week to start each Friday and we may increase the frequency over time. There you go. So, what do you, <laughs> so, we definitely sound like we are, um, uh, definitely sound like that was our first show, but you know, it wasn't, but we, I thought we did a pretty good job for it being our first show. I would, you know, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh. So I know you, anything about this but you you picked a few so you here's i this is one i thought i played in, in this is from episode four this is one of my do you remember this one i do remember this you remember yeah this is from episode four <laughs> we were we were what was i think we were talking we weren't talking about how to pronounce names we were just talking about some cards no
1: i think you made me say this and did I, just, I make
0: you say the names
1: I th- I was reading something.
0: Yeah. Well, you were reading something and we were talking about the golfer Jack Nicklaus and yeah. this is this is so here's the clip this is how Brandon pronounced Jack Nicklaus.
1: All right. So, lastly, Sportico released a report of the top 25 highest paid athletes of all time and Michael Jordan tops the list at 2.6 billion dollars, followed by Tiger Woods at 2.1 billion and then comes Arnold Palmer, uh, Jack Nicklaus. Cristiano Ronaldo, Floyd Mayweather. Wait, 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 what Jack what? <laughs> I don't know how to Nicholas. pronounce that. Nicholas. <laughs> Jack the Klaus. Santa Claus. Is it the A, Klaus? We, he no, spells it like Nicholas. Klaus. I know. That's What's, not my fault. That's his <laughs> fault You're spelling his name like that. <laughs> yeah. Alright, whatever. Jack Nicholas. Yep.
0: Yeah. So there you go. Hey, listen. Santa Claus. Listen, Santa. I just I saw Nicklaus. I saw
1: K L A U S. Yep. Yeah. And I, my brain said Klaus. No, that's all right. And I, I just decided hey, to say it. that That's way. that's become all kind right. of our
0: signature thing, right? We just butcher names. I, I butcher them, and you butcher them. And and the funny thing is, with some of the names, with some of the names, it's you know maybe people, some athletes that we're not as familiar with. But with a lot of the names, it's guys that we know and just still
1: can't pronounce the name.
0: Um,
1: Listen, I'm, there was a Stan Van Gundy was pronouncing Giannis's last name so bad last night. <laughs> that like in this and then the second half he like his like the broadcasters told him and he said i've now like not allowed to say his name anymore really and he just started saying Giannis because he was apparently he was like apparently i'm i'm butchering it so bad nice it was like i don't know he was like adding like a q and like a u in there somewhere it was really? so weird <laughs> so and, well that's we a hard name. Like, we don't feel bad we don't yeah. feel bad about it it's, you know, exactly exactly
0: it's um all right, we'll do a couple more just general clips and then we'll get to maybe our top three or four or five clips that we selected. But so another general one. This is from episode eight. Uh, well, before I do that, let's do episode seven. We, we dropped a little Easter egg uh, for a family member in our two-minute drill. We used to do a two-minute drill where we would talk about some players and, and their cards that we that we thought might be up-and-comers and we dropped a little Easter egg on a family member. So here here, this is from episode seven. All right,
1: so start the clock. The first one we have is Frank Flood.
0: <laughs> so this might be one of those Easter eggs that we were talking about earlier. So Frank Flood, uh, one of those rising stars in the in hockey, up-and-coming player. Right now, he's not actually in the NHL. He plays for Eastern Washington. All right, full disclosure, Frank Flood is my nephew. That We just had to throw that one in there for to for, for, have a little fun. Do you remember that one that's the one yes. we mentioned Frank yeah. Mm-hmm. So and then and then this one is uh, I thought was a funny one so this is my my pronunciation. So we had one with Brandon pronouncing, you know, something and then this was so
1: that you kept doing it. Uh, that's yeah, just so how this you say yeah. Timberwolves. That's just how you say it. Timberwolves. I don't, I
0: don't Timberwolves. Wolves. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, so from epi- this is from episode 8 we were talking about I think Ant-Man from Minnesota. Yeah. And oh, here's yeah, here's what happened. And then the other one was the Contenders. It was the Ant-Man, Anthony Edwards, with the Timber Wolves. Uh, Panini Contenders. Timberwolves. Wolves. Timber wolves.
1: wolves. 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 Timber Wolves. Timber Wolves. Timber wolves. Wolves. Why is it? You <laughs> always say wolf like that. Huh? You always call wolves, wolves. 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 Wolf. I say wolf. Wolves. Wolf. There's an L in wolf. Yeah. And wolf. Yeah, You say woof. Like wolf? You say like horse hoof, like okay. woof. Okay. Well, That's how you say yeah. it. Is it. how um, you say it? Like,
0: it's wolf. I don't know if we have any listeners that listen to comedians. This is like the Brian Regan skit. You did, what's the plural of box?
1: Boxing. How does that have anything to do with what you just said? I don't know. Because move. Is it? Uh, how does that have anything to do with how you just Because you're talking about wolf. how I'm pronouncing the plural of wolves no you always it doesn't matter if it's plural or not you just say woof every time <laughs> yeah so that was
0: that was funny um and then let's see what else where else we oh oh let's there, there's a couple more in here so here's one actually well here's time one to, time to flex let's give us a little yeah give us a little credit here so this is from this is episode 13 now this is january 22nd of 2022 so the beginning of this of this year okay this was our take on the market this was pretty good take this we were pretty spot on when you listen to this and so i'm not i won't give it away but we'll here's the clip from episode 13. the market is a little soft and it'll continue to be soft for a while we'll talk more about that in a minute but i think it's also more selective and overall i think over the next year going to be softer than what we've seen over the last couple years i think there will be pockets of growth pockets of demand i don't think it's going to be a rising tide lifts all boats scenario which is kind of what we had you know back in 2020 maybe the early part of 2021 and once everything gets back into balance supply demand price equilibrium all that then i think we'll begin to see steady growth and my personal opinion is i think that could be 12 to maybe 18 months out you have to remember a lot of stuff going on here a lot of moving parts and pieces to this but let's go through a couple of them so first there's a lot of people that submitted cards to these grading companies a year ago thinking they were going to be able to get those cards back and sell them at the then current prices but now those cards are just starting to come back to a lot of these folks and there's still many that haven't even gotten them back yet and the prices of the cards they submitted have come way down from maybe what they thought they were going to be able to do. So you've got a lot of people now with these cards and slabs that are in a different economic position than they were when they first submitted them. And so that's going to be an interesting dynamic that I think could provide an overhang on the market for several months. And it's also going to be interesting to see what happens if and when, and now it's it's when, but because of the PSA news we just talked about, when lower-priced service levels come back, because I do... Think it's going to happen? We've already seen it with the $50 uh, price per card on economy service from PSA, but they haven't talked about yet their value service. And I and they're you know they're going to bring back their value service at some point. That's going to be likely a lower price point than the economy service. And there's a lot of people out there that I think are have a bunch of cards they've been waiting to submit until some of those price points come down. And so as those price as those service levels open and the price points come down. You're going to see another surge, I think, of submissions, and I think that could ultimately also have a downward you know, pressure or impact on the market, and, act, and I think ultimately it could also act as a deterrent to further grading submissions, and so as that process kind of plays out, we'll ultimately get to what I'll call price equilibrium, where basically demand equals supply, and then at that point, I think the market can kind of reset and move forward and again that's as a whole that's generally obviously like I said before there will be pockets that aren't going to be subject to those dynamics that'll probably continue to do well what those are I would think of them think of like things like serial numbered cards or I personally think the vintage card and so when we say vintage that generally in my mind I define that as anything prior to uh, to 1980 so 79 and and earlier Um, because Any situation where you've got limited supply, uh, those may continue to do okay and may hold up better than some of the other markets. And so I think that's, you know, the market's going to become already has been more selective over the last several months. I think it's going to continue to be more selective. And if you think about the bigger picture here, too, from just again, I remember my my day job, my world is in the investment space and finance world thinking about kind of the bigger economic picture and I do think 2022 is going to be a more challenging year across the board if you think about what we've had over the last couple years with COVID there was a lot of sort of deferrals and payments on things like student loans or rent or different things like that those those deferrals are ending and so a lot of these people that maybe didn't have to make some of these payments on some of this stuff they're going to have to start making those in 2022 stimulus payments are now no more and I know there's some people that want to sort of downplay the impact the stimulus payments had. But let's face it, plenty of stories out there of how people were getting, you know, thousands. Because one of the reasons they downplay is they try to point to, oh, you got $600 check. It was way more than $600. Remember, there were the PPP loans where guys were getting 50, dollars $60,000 and spending them on sports cards. Um, so the all that stimulus money is going to be no more in 2022. We've already seen in the first couple of weeks here with the stock market kind of starting to take a downturn and what I think will ultimately be a correction. We've also seen the crypto market show some weakness here of late as well. The Fed um, is not going to be as accommodative as they've been over the last couple of years. They have stated that. They've made that very clear and been very transparent about that. They're going to need to look to try to combat inflation a little more and in the investment world there's a saying that don't, you don't fight the fed and i think that that is true in the sport card market world the what's going to happen in the overall economy is absolutely going to trickle down and have an effect on the sports card market as well and so i don't see how all those things i just mentioned won't impact it so i am looking for some weakness in the near to intermediate term but I do remain bullish over the longer term. And again, I don't think it's a one size fits all. I think there will be pockets of strength. So there you go. See, we, that was a pretty good take. We said the market would be, you know, not doing well the next 12 to 18 months. We said vintage would do well. Vintage has actually been the, the highlight of the market over the last year. So that was a pretty good take, you know, not bad. We definitely had some, you know, takes that didn't age as well, but that was a good one on the market in general. And then here's another one I thought was kind of funny. Uh, if any of our listeners actually listened to, you know, there was a time when Josh Luber was going around, kind of making the podcast rounds, giving interviews. And if and if you'd listened to any of those interviews, this our our impression of Josh Luber in a podcast interview would have made some sense. So this was from episode 21 where we did our impression of Josh Luber doing a podcast interview. Take a listen. <laughs> I'm going to do my best Josh Luber interview uh, pod, a podcast interview imitation right now. Okay, so this this is what this is what you'll you'll get this when you listen to him. Hold on a second. All right, there you go. That was my imitation. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense right now, but if you listen to the interviews, it'll make sense. He was on about three or four of them. And um, I, the guy was parched. I guess you give that many interviews, you're talking that much. You need a lot of. Um, you have gotta hydrate. You need water. You gotta hydrate. So, so there you go. So there he was. He was parched. Right. He, he was doing a lot of talking. Needed need a lot of water. And then the last one before we get to our picks, we'll do is from episode 39 this was was this right after fourth of july i think because it was yeah. joey chestnut the, the competition yeah and joey chestnut has cards and and so we were talking about a his uh, yeah his, his is a winner that's right and his another championship under his belt so this is from episode 39 joey chestnut has cards joey chestnut is the one to watch he was on did you see it
1: I didn't. I, I didn't watch. I it. don't watch the eating contest. I cannot I just, watch the eating contest. It makes me want to throw up. <laughs> I just hear that Joey Chestnut won again, and I say, "Okay, great." So he was there. I, I did see it.
0: where he came in on crutches. So apparently he had hurt his leg. Oh, and then he tough guy. Then he took down an animal rights protester who was like there, getting in his face, and he like put him in a headlock or whatever Goodness. and took him down. Anyway, so yeah, but he won for the fifteenth time i don't know if it was it consecutive
1: or just the 15th time i have no idea well and here's the funny but thing. either way that's the most major titles by any athlete <laughs> is it can no we one, say no one no one has more all than right i gotta ask 15 the question. championships is, is
0: it an athlete is that a sport that's though a is sport. it is he an that's athlete a
1: sport. can you eat like 20 hot dogs in a minute no i i
0: cannot i i, I haven't even tried <laughs> I, if i tried i'm sure i would throw up I, I mean, can't even watch someone doing it. I, I almost want to throw up just trying to, just watching. That's why I don't watch. It's yeah. Well, believe it or not, we'll tie it to cards because Joey Chestnut does, Chestnut does have a card. All right. So there's kind of some of your more general ones. Let's do, uh, let's do our picks. Which, what, let's start off with uh, your number, what, three or four pick.
1: Oh, we're ranking these? I, I don't know. You don't have these. to rank them. All right. Well, where know. do you want to start first? These. Okay.
0: Well, that's all right. We won't. So, so your first pick, what well, you say? You, 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 you call it out. Um, why don't you just play it? <laughs> Episode five?
1: Yeah.
0: All right. So, yeah, this is, this is Brandon. Uh, we, there's this, was this the two-minute drill, I, was, I think? Might have been the two-minute drill. Uh, I don't remember, but it's another, uh, another good uh, name pronunciation. Football? Brandon know. was hungry. You were hungry in episode five. So take a listen.
1: So today we're gonna cover the twenty sixteen draft class, which includes Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, and Jacoby Brisket. Yeah, that (laughs) was Brissett. Brisket. (laughs) Are you hungry? Are you hungry? It's and it's Brissett. Jacoby. First of all, first like, of all, it's Jacoby. I did not think it was pronounced like that. I literally just misread that. For some reason, my mind went to brisket when I read his last that's name. Awesome. Brissett, that was awesome, Jacoby right. Brissett. That's
0: a little highlight of the As game that highlights. we have. That's that's a that's a foreshadow of the game we have for later on in the show.
2: Well, those okay. Um, yeah.
1: So first so of j- all, Jacobi, it's Jacoby, not Jacoby. Whatever, Jacoby <laughs> Brisket. Those are our four. <laughs> those are our four highlights for our for today's. Uh, 2016 review there you go all so, right we'll
0: get into yeah. it yeah yeah so J- J- Jacob e. jakey Jacob brisket Jacoby e. brisket Jacoby e. brisket <laughs> oh that was good that was good all right
1: and then uh where are you going to go next the chad Cody interview yeah uh, well I, just like three interviews in general that i thought were very good uh, interviews, right. interesting interviews. You want to? You know, um, I um, mean, we have play like a clip
0: a, or just talk about them.
1: Yeah, we can play a clip because there. I mean, I guess there are a few specifics. Um, we had uh, Chad Koda on.
0: Yeah, um, Chad Koda, buddy of mine that I grew up with, former NFL player. Man, he he got to play with some of the all-time NFL great, play with and against some of the all-time NFL greats. I mean, he played, you know, against uh, Brett Favre and John Elway. Uh, he played with Peyton Manning. Played for some legendary coaches like Mike Dicka, uh, Got to you know try to guard some legendary receivers like Jerry Rice and Isaac Bruce and Shannon Sharp. And so it was a lot of fun talking to him about his experience in the NFL. And so we have a few different – he's on my list as well. We have a few different clips we'll play of his. I thought you asked him an interesting question about uh, what, what whether the, the wins or the losses oh, were more yeah. memorable. And so here's, here's what he said to
1: that. Uh, so I have a question for you, Chad. So, uh, going on that theme vein of like memorable moments, so you've been on the side of some some pretty big winning seasons. What do you remember more? Do you remember the big wins more or the big losses more?
3: <sighs> that is a good question, because there is some losses that I remember too, um, and probably the worst one was my. Uh, that I remember as much was my uh, loss at Cal when we were playing when I was playing at Oregon. I think it was my sophomore year. Yeah, my sophomore year. And we were 2 and 0 and we were in Cal and we were probably going to be top 25 and we were up 31 to 7 at halftime and ended up they ended up coming back running all these trick plays and everything and we ended up losing and that was one of the it was tough. And when I lost sleep over couldn't sleep and just devastated our year and we never really kind of bounced back but that that was One of the most memorable games. And it it was because it was that tough of a loss. So that one definitely. Uh, But some of the big wins, yes, that that Pittsburgh win, you know, clinching to go to the Rose Bowl at Oregon, beating Oregon State up there. And then the Husky game at Oregon, you know, the the Kenny Wheaton pick. Yeah. You know, some of the losses, it kind of goes both ways. So you go, that was fun. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And then, yeah, the Jerry Helper in retrospect,
1: interview. In retrospect, I just that seems like a really obvious question to me now. Yeah. Yeah, Don't I guess. I ask anyway, I just stole that from Ernie Johnson, <laughs> but <laughs> mm. I thought it was a good question. But now I'm like, well... It is a good question. It's very obviously the losses, but like that's the point is that everybody always says the losses. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a good a question, So just, just kind of pull that out and, 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 uh, and see if that's consistent.
0: Yeah. All right. And then, yeah, we the Jerry Helper interview. Well... Um, We had a fun interview with Jerry Helper, a former NHL or retired NHL executive. He was with the NHL home office, but then also with the Predators, uh, with uh, Tampa Bay, right? And with uh, Buffalo uh, is where he started his career, but helped the the two Tampa Bay and Nashville, two expansion franchises helped them get started. And, and so we had a lot of fun. It was really interesting. I thought interview talking to him, he had some really yeah. interesting stories the and things to say.
1: Interview as a whole was, was good. Yeah. So definitely, interesting discussion. Definitely um, encourage
0: our listeners. To check that out. That is episode number 26. And we thought we'd pick this particular segment where he was talking about the, the all-star weekend, I believe, right. right which for, which he, uh,
1: he helped, he helped, Kind of create the skills challenges and stuff. I think yeah. initially. So yeah. So take a listen.
0: So you know the obvious things when we were going to create a skills competition was a fastest skater, hardest shot. Now the challenge for us uh, as a league was our greatest player was Wayne Gretzky,
3: hmm.
0: and anybody who watched Wayne, you know Wayne was the greatest player because of his all around skills and knowledge and smarts nobody ever confused him with the fastest skater in the game or the hardest shooter so we were kind of conflicted with you know how are you going to put on a skills event when your greatest player is not necessarily going to excel in (laughs) your skills events okay and then the last one on your list yes makes some sense it'll be the last one on mine as well your grandfather grandpa stories my dad We had him on in episode 10. So we had three generations of the Turner family. That was a special episode. It was a lot of fun. And so we have a few different clips. He had a lot of really fun stories to tell. And we figured for yours, we'll pick this one where he talked about the Yankees being his favorite team growing up. So take a listen.
4: The Yankees were, that was my team and, and all of those players in that era from you know outfielders were Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris infielders were i don't know if you remember name Tony Kubek he was yep. the shortstop for the yankees yep. and Bobby Richardson was the second baseman and they were dynamite center infielders well, they they had a reputation for making the most double plays of anybody in the whole league and and then uh, of course my my all-time favorite was the catcher was Yogi Berra every time when I was a kid, when I played baseball, I wanted to get number eight because that was Yogi's number, you know? Nice, yeah. The Mickey Mantle Mm -hmm. was seven, that would have been my second choice. Uh, Roger Maris kind of came later, but he was big, big name as well. He actually, Roger Maris was the first guy that broke Babe Ruth's home run record of six. Yep. Yep. He was the first one that did that. Yep. And then the pitchers that I loved, I loved Whitey Ford. He was my favorite pitcher on the Yankees. He was a left-hander, kind of small guy, but really good, accurate pitcher. Uh, And then, of course, Don Larson. Don Larson made his his mark in the record book, but he was the first one to pitch a perfect game in the World Series game. Hmm. Interesting. I did not know that. We put that in a Uh, trivia question. uh, So those were – those were my favorite players back in that era, you know. And yeah. So I tried to always try to see if I could get their cards. You know, collecting cards back then was really different because you didn't go out and buy cards. They came with bubblegum. Yeah. So if you bought a pack of bubblegum that was sort of a square the size of a baseball card, it came with a couple of three cards in it. And and they were like a nickel apiece. So you go out and buy like five packs of bubblegum to try and see what kind of cards you could get. And if you got ones that you like, great. If you didn't, you would go up around trying to trade them with friends to get the ones you wanted, get rid of the ones you didn't. So it was it, it was an interesting process at that point.
0: There you go. Yeah, that was, that was cool. So those are good picks. I like them. A lot of good right. stuff there. Yes. Okay, so I, I got a few as well. I'm going to, let's see, I'm going to... I'm going to go back to Chad Coda real quick because there was a couple which I had a lot of fun interviewing him. I thought there were a couple of clips that were interesting to me. Um, and, and the first one, so this was episode nine for our listeners that don't know. And so you go back and listen to that. But here is, uh, we were asking him about what it was like to play at Lambeau Field in Green Bay against Brett Favre. And uh, I thought it was kind of interesting to hear the story that he told. They Because they, they went up there when he was with Carolina and played them in a playoff game. And so here's what, how, what he was saying about that experience. The are on
3: Lambeau field in the playoff, I think, right? What yeah. was that? Oh, that was great. Yeah. Cause we, uh, NFC championship and we were rolling. That was my second year at Carolina. And, you know, we had Kevin Green, Lamar Latham, those guys are, we were just rolling. Um, and Kerry, Kerry was having a solid year at quarterback too. Just, you know, playing within himself and not, you know, not getting many turnovers, but we went to Lambeau field and we were rolling at that time thinking, um, nobody was scoring us in the second half. I think second half of the year, we barely gave up any points in the second half. So very confident. And I think we started up 10 3 or something in the game, too. So we're like, oh, yeah, we're rolling to the Super Bowl. But then uh, Farv had different ideas uh, and came back and got us. But um, so much history. And it was cold there. I think it was minus three, wind wow. chill. Um, they, they, they had the, at least the field wasn't, for, but the field was just kind of mushy and. Uh, not that great, but they had big heaters on the sidelines, so it kind of keeps you warm. But playing at Lambeau in, in the playoffs, I mean, what, what an atmosphere and what an experience. So there you go. That
0: That's pretty yeah. cool pretty cool experience there and then another one there was another one i won't play the clip on this one but we did ask him about what it was like playing for mike dicka that was kind of an interesting answer that he gave there so if you haven't listened to that episode go check it out and then one last one clip i will play play this of that coda one yeah. is he we he had he, we didn't even know this like we didn't we didn't do the um i guess didn't do the research on it to even know and he brought up he said hey you want to know an interesting stat uh and and, well, we won't give it away. Listen to the clip, and here's
3: what it was. Hey, and little <laughs> trivia, too. There's only 11 guys to start against Tom Brady in his first start, and I am one of those 11. Really? Yeah, I started All against right. Tom Brady in his first start. So he uh, – because Bledsoe – I think Bledsoe was running up the sidelines and got blasted by uh, – I think it was Aaron Cox. And then, sure enough, we're, I was uh, playing for the Colts then, and we we came in there to go to the stadium this no-namer that we had we had to watch basically film from michigan that's the only real film we had on him and going against tom brady and what we i think we were 17 point favorites and they ended up beating us wow so don't ever it's it's always my speech when we're going going to games when you know we're clearly better than the other team and you know this team don't ever underestimate well we were yeah. 17 point favorites and <laughs> and i lost to this team quarterbacked by a little known nobody knew him at the time but uh yeah, this guy named Tom Brady. It was his wow. first NFL yeah, that's a whole
4: piece of trivia. I like that.
3: <laughs> yeah, man. yeah, at a little trivia. So
0: there you go. He was one of the f- one of the eleven guys to play to the first at, the first start for against Brady. Tom Brady in his yeah. first start. And then, like you said, they were favored by what, seventeen and and then Brady beat him or the Patriots beat him.
1: He's the first film that anybody watched of Tom Brady in the NFL yeah. <laughs> after that. You yeah. Know. yeah. You watched that game.
0: That was pretty interesting. Um, we've done a lot of really great interviews, I think, and I and I say great, I don't mean I'm not trying to like toot our horn, or I just mean great. Inter- I mean people that were just really interesting, great people that were fun to interview, and so I, there's a couple of other clips that I selected from some of those. One was Chris McGill. We've had Chris McGill on two or three times I think on the show and this was from episode 38 I thought it was a funny story he talked about being able getting right. to go to the because he's a big fan of the Joker, Nikola Jokic, and he uh, went to a game in Denver where he was actually picking up some really nice cards of his that he bought as well, uh, but they were playing the Golden State Warriors and, and Steph Playoff Curry. Game.
1: Playoff game. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and and he had a pretty funny story of after the game, or no, this was during the game, I guess, what happened. It was like at the end of the game. Yeah. It was towards like
1: the foul, like free throw. Exactly. Yeah, game's already over. Exactly.
0: So, yeah, so take a listen to this clip.
5: Where, because I was actually sitting directly next to us was the Jokic family, two rows of Jokic's. So the brothers <laughs> big brothers and, and, stuff. and the, the both brothers were there. I was two feet, or well, two feet, uh, not two feet, two yards or two strides away because it was me and Christina on the aisle, and then across the aisle was one of the Jokic brothers. Nice. And but uh, so, but sitting in front of them was Sean Livingston, Mike Dunleavy and a bunch of executives and I think come to find out maybe even the president and one of the team owners, they were wow. all sitting there in front and I kept saw them walking back and forth. And, you know, I was upset cause I was rooting for the nuggets and to- and there was a Warriors fan in front of me who kept just, just going nuts every time the Warriors <laughs> did well. And I was like, this is so annoying. So, <laughs> so uh, at the end of the game, uh, Steph Curry is shooting free throws. The game's over, but, like, you know, they're playing a little foul thing back and forth. And Curry's at the free throw line, and I just – I couldn't contain myself. I was in total troll mode. And I just go, that's Jordan Poole's backup. And I just, like, yelled that. And Sean Livingston and Mike Levy, and some of the other executives for the Warriors, they all turn around and look at me, and they just – they, like, cover their mouths and they start laughing. And I, and I just was like, you know what? I think I just guaranteed – that the Warriors are not only gonna beat the Nuggets, but I think I just reverse hexed everything and they're gonna go on to win the title just because I yelled that.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so I thought that was that was pretty funny. That was a, that was a classic one there. Um, another one that I thought was good, we had Dale Plum, who's a buddy of mine, a, a dear friend of mine that we've had come on. He's agreed to be a guest host or you could call him third man in, I guess. Uh, with Brandon and I on a couple, he's been on a few different uh, episodes. We had him on episode twenty-eight. I think that was the first time we had him on. He was on episode thirty-five as well as episode forty. But this is from episode twenty-eight, and we were talking about, um, you know, just talking about collecting cards. Take a listen. Get, we're happy that we could get you addicted
4: to what we've been. <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely, yes. You into the space. That's right. If our wives are going to be mad at us, they should be mad collectively, right? That's Doug, right. Doug, exactly. Whatever. We don't
0: we don't want to be the only ones getting scolded That's every right. every week when when mail day comes.
2: That's right. Exactly. Doug's doing it too, honey. So <laughs> That's right.
0: So there you go. That was that. And then here's another. I'm going to play a second clip from that same uh, that same episode where he talks about how he's really got back. I think this is the same episode, or maybe this is a different. Maybe this is 35, but I think this is still from 28. And he talks about how he was really getting back into the hobby and how he's got the bug, the collecting bug again. So take a listen. So then you've got back into it. And I can attest. You've got you've got the bug.
2: Yes, I definitely have the bug. Uh, in fact. Joanna would be probably the best one to talk to about you know uh, exactly how how far I've taken the obsession in a, a relatively short amount of time you know it's it's just look back and you're like okay well I didn't have the wherewithal as a kid to be able to buy the things you know I'm looking at rookie cards and you know now I'm I you know we're not it we're not rich by any means right but we have a little bit more means to invest yeah, in sure. Some things that I think are cool and that I had wanted even back then but we couldn't afford right so now we can afford a few you know those collectibles and you know I'm justifying it by hey you know what I'm paying for them today they're going to be worth much more in the future so I'm still looking at what I'm doing as an investment and you know I'm trying to talk to the girls I've got two uh, daughters one's graduated from college and one's a senior in college and I'm But I'm talking to them about and, you know, they watched the Cubs win the 16 World Series and I'm, you know, showing them my Ernie Banks card. And, you know, they know, obviously, and they're Chicago Cubs and Bears fans because dad is right. So I'm trying to hope that they appreciate the, you know, the cards and the things that I'm collecting. But then also, if that's an opportunity for them to, you know, as an investment down the road, then, you know, that's great, too.
0: So there you go. That's to me. That's that's the story you hear a lot. I love hearing that story of people that kind of got back into it and sort of rekindled their passion and their love for it, and and they're having a ton of fun with it. And um, that that to me is what the hobby's all about. And and fun to to hear that we were able to be a little a little part of that for for Dale. Uh, to get back into it and then I've got two more that I'm going to go with the next one is we did our the local card shop interview series our owner interview series I should say LCS owners we did four right remember we interviewed Chris Kelsey from Nash Cards uh, Steve Greenberg from Greeny Sports Cards uh, Nate Burns from Grand Slam Collectibles and Eric Basile from Hit and Run Sports Cards really enjoyed that, that sort of four-part series that we did. this And, and so it's hard you know did, hard to pick one because I, I, I would encourage our listeners to go listen to all of them. I thought that all of those guests were really fun interviews. Those, by the way, were episodes 46. That was Chris Kelsey and Ash Card's 47 was Steve Greenberg. 48 was Nate Burns. And episode 50 was Eric Basile of Hit and Run Sports Cards. Go, go check those out. This one was kind of a funny clip. Uh, from Chris Kelsey in episode 46, where we talked about his uh, re- resemblance to, to uh, a, a popular artist. I don't know what you're talking about. With look, you look, you look like we like you're too. Uh,
2: I don't even know what's going out. on anymore.
3: <laughs> I quit my
2: job. I just stopped shaving. Everyone talks about. I can't even shave this beard anymore because everyone knows me for the beard.
0: I, I was gonna say uh, you, you've become like. Um, uh, what's his name bob ross right
1: with the yeah
0: right oh that's like i like that it's like a reverse <laughs> yeah. bob ross yeah there you go the reverse bob ross yes i thought that was kind of funny yes i mean he is going to be known for that I and mean, he's known for the beard now it's just he's never going to be able to shave that thing off because that's that's what he's known for well it's been fun going back i got one more actually there's a couple clips but it's from one episode and of course, it's going to be from episode 10, where we interviewed my dad, your grandfather, and some of the stories that he told. He was a professional musician back in the day, played in Vegas at the, uh, I think he was at the Riviera, maybe at the Sands as well. I forget the, the, the all the casinos that he was at, but got to play for uh, a number of the celebrities that came through there. And and also, we, um, it was at the same casino that Siegfried and Roy, the, the magic show with the you know the wild tigers and lions and cheetahs and other things and we actually lived down the street from them when I was I was too little to remember a lot of it but uh, when we were in Vegas and so he had some pretty funny stories and interesting stories I think to tell about um, just the experiences that we had with that he had with both Siegfried and Roy as well as a uh, A couple others. So let's start with. We'll do a couple. I'll go ahead. We'll just do back to back clips. There's Mm -hmm. going to be one where he's going to talk about uh, Sarah the tiger, and then another one where he talks about how them bringing a cheetah through the back room, and and it was kind of interesting and funny. So here, let's take a listen.
4: We could hear every day around four o'clock was kind of feeding time for the for the animals, and you could hear them all start to to growling and making a lot of noise, and then one day. Sarah, the the Bengal tiger, got out and came down the street to to a neighbor's just a couple doors down and was just laying there, not causing any problems. He, you know, he was basically a pretty tame animal, but he's still, I mean, Bengal tigers are still wild animals. Yeah. So He was laying down on the street there right by the front yard of this house and their little dog, little teeny dog, came out and started yapping and, and running at him and all of that and and so Sarah just kind of reached out and swatted the dog and of course uh, she was a big powerful cat and and swatted the dog and killed it you know so mm. that was a little a little frightening when that, that happened just a couple doors down from us but And one time we were all sitting around waiting for the second show to start. And we had this big long table that had horn cases on it and all that, and there was a, a bow tie sitting on the saxophone case. That one of the players had just put it there, you know, during the break. And the cheetah got up on that table. And the table was probably maybe 15 feet long. It was a big long table, and all of a, I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, this cheetah just boom instantly sprang from one end of the table to the other end where this bow tie was sitting and grabbed the bow tie and just ripped it to shreds you know <laughs> I thought like, it was
0: like that, a rat or some kind of a rodent yeah,
4: some kind of a, a rodent or something yeah exactly and we're all sitting there with our hands on our neck hiding our bow ties because yeah <laughs> we had bow ties on <laughs>
0: And then there you go. So and then the last one I'll play. Probably should have played the last one I played should have probably been the Yankees one. But I'm gonna. I thought this one was interesting as well since we already played the Yankees one. Uh, he he had kind of an interesting, funny story with uh, Elvis Presley coming up on stage during a Don Rickles' act.
1: Did he actually tell it?
0: No, he did. No, yeah. I swear. Seems yeah. Seems like
1: we shouldn't say it.
0: No. Yeah. Let's here. Let's just take a
4: listen. Are we? Are the two different stories?
0: No. Take a listen. Okay.
4: It was kind of yeah. interesting because, uh, you know, everybody, <clears throat> all of Elvis's people claim, oh, no, he didn't have a drug problem, blah, blah, blah. And I saw him when he was pretty drugged out where he really didn't even know where he was. And, so, yeah. and Rickles was very cool about the way he handled him. He just kind of made a big deal. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Elvis Presley. And and as he walked him kind of off Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. So there you go. There's, uh, we could have. There was a ton of other clips, probably could have selected a bunch of other interviews we did and fun guests that we've had on the show. And so we probably could have you know, spent another hour going through all this. But it was fun to just reminisce a little bit, go back and relive some of the f- fun and, and uh, memorable moments from the 55 shows that we've done over the past year. We want to thank all of the guests that we've had on and I'll I'll highlight them now really quickly. Uh, In episode six, we had Tyler Hitt, who who at the time was the founder and CEO of HGA. Of course, we talked about episode nine was the former NFL star, Chad Coda. Then episode 10 was my dad and Brandon's grandfather. Episode 14, we had Sam Shuford from Women of the Hobby on. That was a fun interview. And then episode, remember we played a game with her at the end. That was fun. Episode twenty was Chris McGill from Card, co-founder of Card Ladder. Episode twenty-six was Jerry Helper uh, with the the, uh, uh, NHL, and then episode twenty-seven we had Ezra Levine, the CEO of Collectible. And then we already talked about 28 was when Dale Plum came on. Episode 31 was Jeremy Lee. That was a fun one as well. He's the host of Sports Cards Live, or Sports Card Live, I should say. And then he does some other. He does a podcast for Collectible. He does one that they kind of review the PWCC Premier Auction. He does a bunch of things, and now he's with Tag Grading as well. Um, he's kind of a figurehead in the hobby, so it was fun to talk with him. Episode 34, we interviewed Matt Greeney. He's the co-owner and director of operations of MySlabs. That was a good one as well. Dale came back on for 35. Chris McGill came back on for 38. Then we had Dale again on episode 40. Then we had Sean Heber, uh, who's just a friend and a collector that we got talking to at your sister, my daughter's wedding and got talking sports and collecting and said we need to have you on the podcast and so we actually had a short podcast right before went to the national this year and did an interview with sean and so that was fun talking with him and then we did that four-part local card shop owner series we talked about so 46 was chris kelsey with nash cards 47 steve greenberg of greenie sports cards 48 nate burns of grand slam collectibles and 50 was eric basile of hit and run sports cards so if you haven't given those a listen yet please go ahead and check those out. And there you go. That's it. That is our year in review. All right. So that's it. That's the show for today. There you go. All right. Well, thanks to all of our listeners. We really hope you enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun to go back, like I said, and reminisce a little bit over the past year. Looking forward to season two. So with that, Brandon, go ahead and take us out.
1: Um, yeah, definitely had a lot of fun with the year in review today. i um, looking forward to another season. Um. want to thank everybody once again for spending some of your time with us if you do have ideas for topics for a future show or questions that you'd like us to answer don't hesitate to reach out and let us know and we'll do our best to incorporate that into the show um also check us out on social media uh we are on facebook instagram and twitter and check out our website www.the615collector.com and subscribe to our email list
0: Yeah. And please tell your family and friends about us as well. Encourage them to listen to the show. Follow us on your favorite podcast outlet. We continue to see growth in the number of followers and we really appreciate all that. And so there we go. Show number 55 is in the books. That's the last show of season one. So season one is in the books looking forward to season two thanks again everybody and remember we're going to take next week off it's brandon's birthday going to get a little bit of a respite recharge the battery come back refreshed and ready to go for season one so we will see everyone the following week on friday november 4th same time same place here on the 615 collector